Hey, Generation Church, we welcome you and invite you to encounter Jesus with us. We believe that through him, we will encounter love and discover our purpose. So take a seat, lean in, and let this message fortify your faith. I picked that song for a reason. Did you listen to the words? How many of you heard that one before? Isn't that powerful? (laughs) Yeah. It's Crushing Snakes by Crowder. Because he is coming again. And that's what I'm going to talk about today. That's why we're going over Psalm 24. I'm going to give you a real quick synopsis about what we're going to talk about today, and then I'll talk about it, okay? Let's see what we let you go on. All right, so... The first thing I'd like to bring up as far as Psalm 24, that's why we read it today, is because I really believe that we may be that generation which will see the return of the King. The King of glory, as it says in there. Who is the Lord of hosts? And who is that Lord of hosts? That is Jesus Christ. We know that through Scripture, and I'm going to talk about that really quickly. Jesus, while he was here, he taught his disciples, he says, I am coming again. And while he was teaching them, he taught them. He he said, before I come back, this is what's going to happen. He gave them a warning. God always gives us warnings. He gives us signs and wonders. He He established signs back in Genesis to let us know what the seasons, what's happening. He wanted to give us a warning. Why? Because it says in the latter days, what's going to happen? False prophets, false teachers are going to rise up. And where are they going to come from? In the church. In fact, they're going to be so effective that they might even possibly deceive the elect. That's why Christ was teaching that. That's why I want to talk about it today. Because who knows, at the very end, will the church even know him or recognize him when he comes back? Will they invite him in? Now, I'm really speaking about this today is because I needed to hear it. Based on what Sam's been talking about, about the, we're almost like a fatherless generation, and you can see what is happening in our culture. You can see all the stuff that's happening, and it's just... And as I look at that, I go, we need to be reminded that these are warnings. These are things that we need to be paying attention to so that we will be ready when he does return. So let's pray real quick. Heavenly Father, we just thank you so much, Lord God, for your word because it is unchanging. And Lord God, it has, it has the power, Lord God, just to teach us so that we can just turn to you. It, it will convict us. It will cause us, Lord God, just to, to get on our knees, to seek your face and say, Lord God, we need you. We thank you, Lord God, that your spirit speaks to us. That your spirit gets right down to our heart and says, hey, Repent. And turn and come to me because otherwise you're lost. You love us. You don't want any of us to perish. 
And you loved us so much that you sent your son to die in our place so that we could be with you. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Anyway, let's go back to Psalm 24, because that's what we're going to start with. And then we're going to move from there throughout Scripture. I've got a lot of it. I don't know if he's going to be showing it up here on the thing or not, but I usually try to have slides, but I tell you what, it was really kind of a trying to put all this together during the week. I didn't have time to put together a big slide thing. In fact, a lot of stuff didn't even come together until Friday evening as, tr- as far as my outline, as far as where I wanted to go and the direction and how I wanted to be able to teach this because I want you to really get this because I think this is absolutely important. I think this is something that we don't always, you know, we don't... Churches sometimes forget that there are going to be some bad times happening. Right? We don't necessarily want to talk about those things. And so I just think I really want to make sure this works right. So whatever. So Psalm 24, verses 1 through 6, really speaks about, and he, he can just keep going right through. I'll read them. Let's go ahead. The earth is the Lord's and all it contains, the world and those who dwell in it. He has founded it upon the seas and it established it upon the rivers. Who may ascend into the hill of the Lord and who may stand in his holy place? Good question, right? Because we do know that the Levitical priesthood could not go in the holy place, right? Unless they were properly clothed. And if they went into the Holy of Holies, not properly clothed and ready, guess what happened to him? He was going to die. So who can do that? And he says, He who has clean hands and a pure heart, who has not lifted up his soul to falsehood, is not sworn deceitfully, he shall receive a blessing from the Lord and righteousness from the God of his salvation. This is a generation of those who seek him, who seek thy face, even Jacob. So who are these people? This is a generation. These are people who have Jesus on them. These are the people who seek him, who have asked the Lord to be, asked Christ to be their Lord, to forgive them of their sin, to repent. Because we can't enter into the holy place. The Levitical priesthood, right, could not go into the holy place unless they were properly clothed, right? It talked about it. They had to have the specific clothing on. We do know we've got this big whole description of what Aaron had to wear before he'd go into the holy of holies. You had to be clothed correctly to go in there or you were going to die. How are we to enter into the holy place? We've got to be clothed correctly, don't we? What does it say in Scripture? Put on Christ. We don't have Him. We cannot enter into that. And you're not going to have Him unless you're seeking Him, unless you've given your life to Him, unless He is Lord of your life and you're living through Him. You will never enter that holy place. You can never enter the kingdom of heaven to be in the presence of God the Father without Him. So that's absolutely important. You've got to have that first. To be this generation, you've got to have Christ. So why do we have that? So, and the reason why is because the King of glory is coming. It says, lift up your head, O gates, and be lifted up, O ancient doors, that the King of glory may come in. 
Who is the king of glory? The Lord strong and mighty, the Lord mighty in battle. Lift up your heads, O gates, and lift them up, O ancient doors, that the king of glory may come in. Who is this king of glory? The Lord of hosts. He is the king of glory. So who is the Lord of hosts? Captain of the Lord of the hosts. Where do you find that? Joshua, chapter 5, verses 13 through 15. I don't know if he's got them up there. doesn't matter. Remember, Joshua's getting ready to cross the river, and what does he see? He sees a man standing there with a sword. He says, are you for us or are you against us? Are you for us or are you for our adversaries? He says, I am for neither. I am the captain of the Lord of hosts. And he says, and Joshua bowed down and said, take your shoes off because you're standing on holy ground. Now we know that is not just an angel. That's not an appearance from one of the legion. We know that that has got to be God. That has to be Jesus. Why? Because back in Revelation... 20, chapter 22, verses 8 and 9, when John is there speaking to the angel who has given him all these things near the end of, the, of Revelation, John bows down to the angel. And what does the angel tell him to do? Stand up. You don't do that. You don't worship me. You only worship God. So we know this was God, the captain of the Lord of hosts, Jesus Christ, appearing to Joshua a long time ago. We also know in the New Testament, look at Luke. Chapter 2, verses 13 and 14. You know, when you've got the Savior of the world coming in, who is the captain of the hosts, you know, Lord, you know, of all the armies in heaven, don't you think there might be a pretty big celebration when he comes to earth and became a man? What does it say? We read this every year at Christmas, but really, do you get the full implication of it? No, because he's the captain of the Lord, of the hosts, you know, the armies. It's not, that's plural. The armies of the Lord, okay. And suddenly there appeared with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among men with whom he is pleased. These multitudes came down because they were singing the praises of their captain who is now entering into the world to do what? To fulfill what had been established since the very beginning. That is why there were multitudes of angels there singing. That is why. And I think it's something we just kind of overlook sometimes. There's another reference to, to also being the Lord of hosts too, and it's Isaiah 48, 42. We don't need to go there. We don't need to. They'd say, lean on the God of Israel. The Lord of hosts is his name. So we do know who the Lord of hosts is. We do know he is coming, and the Lord of hosts is Jesus. So, all right, because he told us, basically. All right, we do know that Jesus told of his return to his disciples, didn't he? Let's look up real quickly, Matthew chapter 24, verses 29 through 31. It's kind of a real, I'm just going to go through a bunch of these things. I know I've got a lot of scripture here, but good grief. I'm using scripture today because my words, I don't think, can convey the importance of what's going on. 
I can sit up here and tell you a neat little homily. I can tell you stories and stuff like that. But I want the words of the Bible to impact you today. So Matthew 24, verses 29 through 31. I'll read that real quickly. But immediately after the tribulation of those days, this is Jesus speaking because this is in red in my Bible. I don't know if it's red up there. It's hard to read it. I'm glad they did that. You know, when the guy came up with the red, <laughs> the red letter version. You don't want to, you know, because it's important. It wasn't just some other guy. This is Jesus. But immediately after the tribulation of those days, the sun will be darkened and the moon will not give its light and the stars will fall from the sky and the powers of the heavens will be shaken and then the sign of the Son of Man will appear in the sky and then all the tribes of the earth will mourn and they will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of the sky with power and great glory. King of glory, right? And he will send forth his angels with a great trumpet and they will gather together his elect from the four winds from one end of the sky to the other. He is coming back. Matthew 25, we go right next, over, right next door to that, chapter 30, verse 31. But when the Son of Man, who is that? Jesus, comes in his glory, King of glory, and all the angels with him, then he will sit on his glorious throne. He is coming back again. Matthew chapter 16. A lot of these are in Matthew. Matthew must have been a pretty cool guy. Well, our Matthew here is a pretty cool guy, too. Okay. For the Son of Man, Jesus, is going to come in the glory, King of glory, of his Father with his angels and will then recompense every man according to his deeds. I don't think he missed words. He's coming back, right? He is coming back. And that's what it says in Psalm 24. He is coming back. He also told his disciples to make sure that they understood when he is coming back. Let's go back to Matthew 24. We're just going back and forth in here. There's a lot of good stuff. Verses 3 through 12. I'm going to read that to you too. There we go. And as he was sitting on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately saying, Tell us, when will these things be and what will be the sign of your coming at the end of the age? And this is the one that I've heard over and over and over again for years and years and years. And I think, oh, that's real good. And Jesus answered and said to them, See to it that no one misleads you, for many will come in my name, saying, I am the Christ and will, lead Christ and will mislead many. And you will be hearing of wars and rumors of wars. See that you are not frightened, for those things must take place, but that is not yet the end. For nations will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom, and in various places there will be famines and earthquakes. But all these things are merely the beginning of birth pangs. Oh, man. And at that time, no, then they will deliver you to tribulation and will kill you, and you will be hated by all nations on account of my name. And at that time, many will fall away. Another way of saying it is be offended and will deliver up one another and hate one another. And many false prophets will arise and will mislead many. And because lawlessness is increased, most people's love will grow cold. Now, if you're of a certain age, and you heard that part as far as wars and rumors of wars, you grew up watching Walter Cronkite on TV, 
And to the end of every day, he'd talk about listing out the number of people who were killed in action, wounded in action, that type of casualties, things going on in Vietnam. So all my life, I've been hearing wars and rumors of wars. We had all the different, in a Cold War that came along. We've had Desert Shield, Desert Storm. We've had Afghanistan, Iraq, all these different things. That didn't affect me as much because we're always listening to wars. But it's the rest of the stuff that's starting to come through that's, that's really starting to hit me. And that is in Ephesians, verses five, uh, Ephesians 5, verses 16 and 17. To get myself up. Maybe I should just read it off there. Yeah. There we go. Making mo- the most of your time because the days are evil. So then do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. And he talks about different things as far as don't get drunk with wine, speaking to another and that type of thing. Isaiah chapter 5, verses 20 to 23. Because these are all part of what's going to happen before he comes back again. Not just the wars and rumors of wars and those are different things. But some of these things are really starting to come about. Woe to those who call evil good and good evil. Who substitute darkness for light and light for darkness. Who substitute bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. Woe to those who are wise in their own eyes and clever in in their own sight. I mean, it's just amazing. Woe to those who are heroes in drinking wine and valiant men in mixing strong drink who justify the wicked for a bribe and take away the rights of the ones who are in the right. I hadn't started seeing some of these things until recently. Like I said, wars and rumors of wars and now these things are starting to show up. Let's look at Romans chapter 1. We're going to read a lot of those, and I know you've heard this before. There's a lot there. These are things, these are signs that Jesus wanted to let us know about because he's going to be coming coming soon. Verse 18, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men, who suppress the truth in unrighteousness. Verse 22, professing to be wise, they became fools. Verses 26 through 27, for this reason God gave them over to degrading passions, for their women exchanging the natural function for that which is unnatural, and in the same way also the men abandoned the natural function of the woman and burned in their desire toward one another, men with men, committing indecent acts and receiving in their own persons the due penalty of their error. Verses 29 through 31, being filled with all unrighteousness, wickedness, greed, evil, full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, malice, gossips, slanderers, haters of God, insolent, arrogant, boastful, inventors of evil, disobedient to parents, without understanding, untrustworthy, unloving, Unmerciful. These things I did not see until recently. I've heard about those things all, all you know all my life, and but I don't know if you got. I don't even watch the news, and I still hear all these things. 
It would have been interesting if Paul had been writing in Facebook. I think he'd have probably been in Facebook jail. <laughs> really. These are signs and warnings. Are you seeing this, people? It is, it is what Sam talked about as far as the fatherless society. Look what our culture is going. We need fathers. We need men. We need women to stand up for what is right. It is so easy to go along these different paths, to go along with what we, all these different things we're seeing. It is so easy just to go along with the flow, not to have to buck against it. But if we don't, where are we headed? Where are we headed? Where are we headed as a nation? Where is we headed as a people? Where, where is this world headed? If it's going to descend into that hell, into that chaos. Now, I kind of want to bring up one interesting fact on this. I, I kind of, I've been stirring this up in my mind, you know. How long have people been praying for revival in our country? Hundreds of years, right? For revival. Joe Jane, haven't we been praying for revival, right? Uh huh. That's how long we're praying for revival. And I sit there back in the back of my mind, in the back of my heart, you know, when did the nation of Israel repent? Back in the days of the judges. Think back. I mean, it didn't take very long. When did they repent? When things got really bad. When they had turned away from God for long enough and done enough bad things, and what happened? Their enemies came in. They conquered them. They were defeated in battle. They had their, you know, that's why Gideon was out there threshing in, in secret because they'd come in and take their food. They took their wine. They took everything away from them. When did they repent? When things got really bad. I've been wondering for a while is if maybe a lot of this stuff's not actually happening or we actually have been praying too that things in darkness will be brought to light. Maybe this revival, maybe this, you know, is coming. Maybe all this stuff is showing up just so it can be revealed and we can see what evil there is in the world so that people will repent. Is it possible? It's very possible. But that's not what I'm talking about. Today. Anyway, these are signs and wonders. These are different things that are happening. Genesis chapter 1, verse 14. You know, it used to be in the days, now you got them little phones and stuff like that. It used to be in the day. I don't know, did you guys ever do sword play? <laughs> when they tell you a, a verse and you try to see if you could be the first one to get there back and forth and you could hear the... <laughs> you got it, yeah! Well, cool. And then you get to read it. And of course, it was always one of those ones that had all the weird words and the names and stuff in there. I can't pronounce this, you know. Phonics is great, but not for that. <laughs> All right. Signs and wonders, right? God does not leave us alone. He gives us warnings. And God said, back here in Genesis, he established, and God said, let there be lights in the expanse of the heavens to separate the day from the night, and let them be for signs and for seasons and for days and for years. 
so that we can understand the times. It's like Francis Schaeffer. We can understand the times. He did not want us to be left alone. He wanted us to be able to know when things were going to happen so that we can be prepared for it. Matthew chapter 16, verses 1 through 3. And the Pharisees and Sadducees came up and testing him, asked him to show them a sign from heavens. And he answered and said to them, When it is evening, you say, it will be fair weather, for the sky is red. And in the morning there will be a storm today, for the sky is red and threatening. Do you know how to discern the appearance of the sky, but cannot discern the signs of the times? All right, let's go to another one. Matthew 24 again. This is 32 and 33. Now learn the parable from the fig tree. When its branches already become tender and put it for, puts forth its leaves, you know that summer is near. Even so, you too, when you see all these things, recognize that he is near right at the door. Are you guys missing something? Have you been paying attention? It's kind of like, right? These signs, I think, are becoming very apparent as to what is, what's going to happen. I really think that a lot of this stuff is really just being stirred up and coming up and being so absolutely blatant that you have no excuse. <laughs> It's coming, people. King of glory is coming. So he wants us to give us every chance. So let's go to Psalm 78, verses 2 through 4. Because Jesus did teach them about what was coming. But he did it in such a way that it was a little different than we normally do. 78, verses 2 through 4. And this is a prophecy. I have to do this too. I will open my mouth in a parable. I will utter dark sayings of old, which we have heard and known, and our fathers have told us. We will not conceal them from their children, but tell to the generation to come the praises of the Lord and his strength and his wondrous works that he has done. He's going to speak to them in parables, basically an earthly story with a heavenly or a spiritual meaning. He's trying to get them to understand what is going to happen. Matthew chapter 13. I tell you what, Matthew really was. Verses 34 through 35. And all these things Jesus spoke to the multitudes in parables, and he did not speak to them without a parable, so that what was spoken through the prophet might be fulfilled, saying, I will open my mouth in parables. I will utter things hidden since the foundation of the world. So he did speak to them. He did teach them exactly what he was going to happen, but he did it in such a way that they had to kind of ponder it. And those were, th those were the parables. And it's basically an object lesson picture, letting them know with something that they can understand in this earth of what heavenly things or spiritual things are going to have. So in one of his parables, as far as, let's go to 2 Peter 3.10. Man, I think it's weird not hearing... But it is faster going through your phone, I can tell you that. It is just, you can just put it right in there. It is a whole lot faster and a lot easier. 
And so he wanted to let them know exactly what's going to happen. Well, this is the second Peter. But the day of the Lord will come like a thief in which the heavens will pass away with a roar and the elements will be destroyed with intense heat and the earth and its works will be burned up. Let's go to Matthew 24 again. I tell you what, we're going back and forth. But there's a lot there. Verses 37 through 44. For the coming of the Son of Man will be just like the days of Noah. For as in those days which were before the flood, they were eating and drinking, they were marrying and giving in marriage, until the day that Noah entered the ark. And they did not understand until the flood came and took them all away. So shall the coming of the Son of Man be. Then there shall be two men in the field. One will be taken and one will be left. Two women will be grinding at the mill. One will be taken and one will be left. Therefore be on the alert, for you do not know which day your Lord is coming. But be sure of this, that if the head of the house had known at what time of night the thief was coming, he would have been on the alert and would not have allowed his house to be broken into. For this reason, you be ready too. For the Son of Man is coming at an hour when you do not think he will. What was it like in the days of Noah before the ark? What were they doing? Like it said, they're marrying and getting married. You know, they're having children. They're going to work. They were paying their taxes. <laughs> they were paying their bills. They were having barbecues with friends. They were living life. And they were just didn't know that destruction was going to come upon them. So is the day of the Lord when he comes back. We're not going to know the day. We're not going to know the time. It is just suddenly going to be there. So are you going to be ready? Are you ready to meet the Lord? Are you living, or is he living through you? And you're not living through him. Are you, are you ready? Okay. Let's come back here. Let's at Matthew chapter 24 again, where we're still there. Because why do, you, why do you need to be ready? Because it's important, but... <sighs> Verses 31 through 33. Did I get the right one? No, I put the wrong one down. Of course I did. Oh, here we go. Matthew 10, 25. And all the nations will be gathered before him, and he will separate them from one another as the shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. And he will put the sheep on his right and the goats on the left. Then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed of my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. And then verse 41, then he will also say to those on his left, depart from me, accursed ones, into the eternal fire which has been prepared for the devil and his angels. About the sheep and the goats. Which one are you going to be? Are you a sheep or are you a goat? Let's look at the uh, parable of the tares. I think I got that right. And that's Matthew 24, 24, I think. I'm hoping I got it right. Nope. 
I was scribbling some things down. It doesn't matter. Do you remember the parable of the wheat and the tares? The wheat gets uh, sown in the field. The wheat comes up, and then an enemy comes along and sows the tares. And they start coming up too, and all those people say, hey, let's come out and take all the tares out. He says, no, but you might destroy them. The reason why I bring up these two different things as far as the sheep and the goats, do you realize that in the Middle East, sheep and goats look the same? You know, around here, when we look at our sheep, that's a different kind of breed. And typically, while we, what do we, how do we breed our sheep for? For wool and that type of thing. And so it, they've got these big, massive, you know, little sheep running around out there. And our goats usually see Nubians, Alpines, and stuff like that, a lot of dairy goats. And you see the boars and stuff like that. And you can look at them, and automatically here in North America, we think, sheep and goats, I know the difference. I can tell you, yep, that's a sheep, that's a goat. But if I, I was looking up different pictures, you look up the sheep and goats, and in the Middle East, what Jesus is talking about here, they look the same. In fact, the only way you're going to understand if they're different is primarily the way they're Horns curl down for sheep, up for goats. Tails down for sheep, up for goats. And that's about the only way you're going to really understand the difference. Wheat and the tares, do they look the same? When they're first coming up out of the ground, yes, they do. What God, this is what I believe God is saying here. We're not going to know the difference between anybody else sitting in here, whether or not they're a sheep or a goat. You're not going to know if they're a tear or wheat. They're all the same. It's not until the harvest. Remember, the tares are not torn up and burned until the time of the harvest. He allowed them to grow up together. That's a warning, people. The sheep and the goats didn't know they were a sheep. They didn't know they were a goat. That's why I'm preaching this to myself today. I really want to know, Lord God, my only hope is in you. My only hope to be a sheep is to follow you, to have you in my heart. I don't want to be a goat. I don't want to be here saying the same things, nodding my head at the right times, singing the songs, praising and worship, doing all those different things, tithing. Doing all of that and find out at the very end, I'm a goat. To find out that at the very end, when it comes to time for the harvest, when we continue to pray that this Lord of the harvest would send out laborers into the field to reap that harvest, I want to be harvested with the wheat. I don't want to be plucked out by those laborers, sent off to the side, and then set on fire. They didn't know. Do you know? Do you know? This is a warning. That's why he spoke in these parables. He wanted to let you know. He wanted you to be prepared for him when he comes back. Individually and at corporately as a community of believers. I think it's very interesting. Let's look at Revelation Chapter 3, verse 20. And everybody, I'll bet a lot of you could quote this. And we use it a lot for, you know, as far as talking to people about Christ and asking Him, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice, anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and will dine with him and he with me. And we usually bring that up for the unsaved, right? Ask, invite Jesus into your heart. Yeah, that's great. Who is he talking to? The church. 
The church at Laodicea says, I wish you were cold or hot. He says, I'm knocking on the door. And it's very interesting when he says there, if anyone hears me. How many churches across this country right now, Jesus is knocking on the door and they don't hear him? And the thing is, he's not going to barge in there. What does it say? He says, here's my voice and opens the door. I will come in. He is not going to force himself in there. You've got to invite him in. The church has to listen Hear the voice of the master. Open the door to allow him to come in so he can interact with them. This is the church, people. These are not the unsaved. And let's go back to Psalm 24. And I'll, because this is interesting. Words mean things. I talked to that at uh, Carolyn's house one time. It says, Let's read verses 7 through 10 and see if you get this. Lift up your heads, O gates, and be lifted up, O ancient doors, that the King of glory may come in. Who is the King of glory? The Lord strong and mighty, the Lord mighty in battle. Lift up your heads, O gates, and lift up, O ancient doors, that the King of glory may come in. What does that mean? Does he not have enough power to break down the gates to come in? Well, yeah. He's got all the power. He doesn't even have to go through the gates. He could go over and land right in the middle of the whole place. I mean, the doors have to be open. You have to invite him in. These ancient doors have to be open to invite him in. He is not going to tear them down. Will the church allow Jesus to come in, have that impact? Will we allow the King of glory, the Lord of hosts, to come in, to interact, to affect our lives, to change us, to allow us to be like Him? I think these are warnings. I think these are warnings because when we talk about the fact that there's going to be Times when people are going to fall away. There are going to be times when we're going to have all sorts of different false prophets, false teachers, all these people that could deceive the very elect. We can see that it could happen. It really could happen. So we need to make sure that we understand who we are and where we stand. Jesus, is he your Lord and your Savior? Do you turn all over to Him? Do you rely solely and completely on Him for your salvation? Do you understand how much He paid for you when He died on the cross to take His sins upon Himself? Because if you do not understand that, if you do not Voluntarily give yourself over to Him. You're a goat. Or you're a tear. You can be sitting here with everybody else. You could have that culture. You could be that person that 
leads Sunday school. You could be that person that prays for others. You could be that person that gives. And you're still not, not going to enter heaven. It's a warning. And I believe the time is getting short. As he said in here, do you not know the signs and the seasons? You know when the fig tree leaves, you know the summer is near. You know red sky on morning, sailors take warning. We have all those parables. We know all those things. Do you not see the signs of his coming? Heavenly Father, we just thank you so much, Lord God, that you really do love us so much that you warn us. You, know, you give us chance after chance after chance. You continue to forgive us. You continue to seek our best. And Lord God, you still just love us. Lord God, help us to get serious about this. To understand the times. That Lord God, that there will come an end when you will stop delaying. That you will come. Help us, Jesus. <laughs> we beg you. We beg you, Lord God, that we would be found in you. That Jesus will be our Lord. That we will fully and completely commit ourselves to you. And that we trust in rely on and obey you as our Lord and Savior. Thank you, Jesus, that you do love us. And thank you for this time where we can just praise and just worship you for who you are. In your son's name we pray. Amen. Now I think I would be remiss If we didn't have an opportunity for those, if you've not really ever, you can go ahead and start playing, Daniel, if you want to. If you've never really ever given your life completely to Him, and you know what's coming, I'll be standing in the back. We'll have some other people. We can pray for you. If you think you're not quite there, if you believe that you really. There's some things you need to get taken care of. While we're worshiping up here, worshiping up here, we can be speaking with you in the back. I just want to give that invitation because I tell you what, the time is getting short, people. You can always say that I can do it tomorrow, I can do it next month, I can do it whenever. I'm not sure that you have that much time based on the signs and the things we're seeing. So, thank you for your time today.